Okay, hello everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is, this is Representative Dan Miller. You are listening to On the Table podcast that we have, and we're glad that, that you joined us today. And we are still working on getting ready for our annual Disability and Mental Health Summit, which is coming up on this May 11th at the Bethel Congregation here in Pittsburgh. We're always excited for it. It's our kind of my favorite event that we do, and it is the largest collection of disability and mental health resources in Western PA. Uh, one of the topics that we're going to be talking about at our summit this year is going to be on college uh, supports and life for people with disabilities and mental health. Uh, as more and more of our young people with a disability or a diagnosis are graduating from their neighborhood schools and having that full or much more inclusive experience in the K through 12, we also want to see that success translate into post-secondary and then uh, beyond, but post-secondary as far as getting into college and having some of that experience as well, and hopefully finding the same level of success, if not greater. So there's a lot to discuss there, but one of the organizations that have been working hard in Pennsylvania during this for a long period of time in relation to finding opportunities after uh, high school um, has been the Dream Partnership. And we are very glad to have Donna Parton, who I didn't realize was the founder, uh, but is the founder and, of course, the, the current board chair of the Dream Partnership. She's with us today. Donna, thank you for talking to us. Yeah, thank you, Representative Miller. I really appreciate the opportunity to share uh, about Dream Partnership. Well, and, and why don't you tell us right off the, the bat, you're the founder. Uh, tell us what, what does Dream do and, and why did you start it? Okay, um, and DREAM, D-R-E-A-M, uh, the, the, that acronym actually means DREAMS Realized Through Educational Aspiration Model. And how it came about was our daughter, who has Down syndrome, uh, has an older brother who um, is neuronormal, um, and he was uh, in high school and exploring colleges as well as her friends were exploring colleges. So she felt that it was, um, she felt that it was normal mm -hmm. for her to explore colleges as well. So she wanted to go to college. She expressed this interest. I did a little research, actually explored colleges down in South Carolina because South Carolina was really at the forefront of developing programs for students oh. with intellectual disabilities. Now, De Demi would never be able to qualify um, to matriculate at a college for various reasons. She wouldn't be able to gotcha. pass the testing and right. um, um, and really be able to full the fulfill the requirements for the college courses. But the experience of going to college would be very fulfilling for her and other persons mm. like her um, for to, to improve their ability to get out into the workforce and uh, be a contributing part of the communities that they're in. Um, and so, and then what happened after I did some research in South Carolina, I realized that there weren't many programs or there weren't programs that we were really looking for in Pennsylvania at the time. So I actually went to Senator Vance, Senator Pat, Pat Vance, and asked her what our direction should be, how should we should go about getting these programs in Pennsylvania. And Senator Vance suggested we start a nonprofit and solicit funding and grants through the nonprofit channels in the beginning uh, before maybe uh, getting some help from, from the government, from the state government. And so we started a nonprofit, 
Um, we were able to get some funding to get us started off the ground. And since that was in 2012, since then, we've been able to fund nine college programs in the state. There, oh, are, wow. 16, okay. there are 16 programs in the state. We actually have helped to fund startup for nine programs. And right now, there are probably between 150 and 190 students enrolled uh, in programs throughout the state. Well, that's great. Uh, give me a little flavor. What, what are the nine? Um, it would be um, um, Millersville University, Temple, uh, Penn State, Harrisburg, Penn State um, State College. Uh, there's a Penn State Lehigh Valley. There's Duquesne, uh, Slippery Rock. Great. Okay. So, and so uh, you guys are helpful in funding programs uh, uh, with it. You have 150 or so. Uh, uh, students who are involved with it. Um, so, and, and give us a little idea on what it means to be in that program. What is the experience that the young person has uh, being in that program? Yeah, well, an important aspect for Dream Partnership is that it's an integrated program, meaning that they they attend, they actually attend classes with the regular student body. Now, they are not taking the classes for credit. Typically, there are some students that do take classes for credit, but typically they don't take the classes for credit, so they audit the classes. Um, and some of the students have supports while they're in that, that class, and some do not. So they attend programs or, or classes as well as extracurricular act activities with the regular student body. Because of that, they learn to work and collaborate with um, the regular student body, uh -huh. as well as those students get to experience a neurodiverse uh, individual. Right. And, yep. all, and that then extrapolates into the workforce. Once they graduate and matriculate, get out into the workforce, they're able to um, team and partner with other co-workers who might not be the same as them. Right. There, there's so a diversity aspect. Now, uh, what about um, are these students who participate? Uh, do do what, do they live on campus? Uh, what's some. the so some do um, not just uh, you have some who uh, obviously are you know are are you know are are don't need to, but the ones who who want to or need to, uh, do you guys help? I mean, how does that funding work for that part of that pro uh, the program? Well, we, we actually have a scholarship program as well. So we have funded some programs and, and then we also have scholarships that um, uh, that we've given out 234 scholarships thus far, um, oh, totally okay. nine, $967,000. So we'll right. surp surpass the million dollar mark this year. So, um, so mm -hmm. that, that scholarship could help fund that. But additionally, most of these students have waivers. Right. And they are able to use the waiver waiver um, to offset some of the cost of going to these programs. So out of roughly 150, how many of them actually uh, uh, live on campus? I would probably say about 25 percent. About 25, about a quarter, about a quarter of your percent yeah. there are, are there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, so that is fantastic as well. Now, the supports that you referenced, uh, you say that some some students may have some supports in the classroom. Is it, how is that funded? That's funded. The, the program itself that we have helped start up and fund 
sorry about that. The program itself okay. that we have helped to set up and fund. Um, part part of their um, their directive is they have to be self-sustaining within a certain number of years, okay. and so the students typically pay an additional fee to the tuition and fees the college students pay, and that additional fee helps to pay for their mentors. Understood. Okay. Now, look, you referenced Down syndrome. Uh, um, what are the diagnoses that are, are typical um, when it comes to students who uh, take advantage of working with the Dream Partnership? Right. They have to qualify as intellectually disabled, which um, there's an IQ level with that um, in order to qualify for our programs. And so autism, Down syndrome, um, and then just intellectual disability in right. general. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it's, um, that's, uh, okay, so now do you find that a lot of people apply who don't meet those requirements? Is, is that a challenge for you to have to work through? Um, we have some that apply and don't qualify, and part of the reason why we use um, that qualification is there is, um, uh, with, with, there is a federal um, requirement for these programs with some of the funding that they get. Um, oh, is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, do these programs exist in every state then? I would say most of the states, the major majority of states do have programs um, that have for students with intellectual disabilities. And most of them offer a certificate. Okay. As opposed to, yeah, yeah. They don't actually earn um, a bachelor's degree or an associate's degree, although some students do. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Um, but then most earn a certificate that they can take out into the into the employment world. And how many uh, can uh, um, do they typically spend two years, three years, four years? What's the average experience? The average experience is probably three because some okay. of the programs are two year, but most of them are four. So probably more of the average average is three, but most students uh, stay four years. Uh, when it came to uh, college participation, I know you mentioned nine and you referenced some other things there with it. Uh, uh, have you guys pursued greater possibilities and found that difficult to get institutions to be supportive? Or, or, yeah, go ahead. I yeah, see you nodding your head. Yes, yes, because um, funding is very limited for programs to start up. Um, and that's really what we struggle most with is trying to get that funding um, to, to start programs. And there, if you look at the map and where these programs are, there's a lot of open space yeah. where programs are needed. Yeah, to be honest, uh -huh. most of your examples were not in the West. So, uh, right. Right, yeah. right. At the West and then the Northwest as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and so, and I, uh, let me try to, you know, if I can on that for a moment, I, I, I know you said funding, but let me ask you this so I'm clear. Is it that funding uh, through the state, through donations, uh, isn't there uh, for greater expansion? Or is it that institutions are not interested in having the program themselves? Mostly it's the funding for st program startup is very difficult to get. Funding for scholarships is much easier to get than it, than it is for the, it's designated for scholarships. Um, so 
yeah, yeah. the, the pro- program startup funding is is a big hurdle. But then secondly, there, there's a lot of colleges. We get pushback from them. Well, and, and that's so let me give an example. We're just gonna, uh, I was at California University not long ago. OK, and had a really good conversation uh, down there. Appreciated them. Uh, so let's assume that you that California was a place where you were hoping to establish a program. OK, mm-hmm. um, what is the startup ballpark for that to to occur down there? What would it be like? What startup, does it mean? Okay, so yeah. so it's a three year. It, it typically it takes them three years uh, to start up a program and a hundred to 125,000 is the typical a year or total total okay um okay well that doesn't sound that that uh, no it doesn't yeah now the funding for this overwhelming when we say the startup cost uh where does that funding where would that funding typically come from uh from some grants um there a few years ago we did secure a grant from um, OVR, okay. the ACES grant, and we were able to do a lot of our funding, our startup funding at that point. Uh, we have a couple of private, organi- not private, but um, uh, business organizations that have given us funding that we've been allowed to use for program uh, for starting up programs, but it's very minimal. It's very that, difficult to get the Does the 120, is this to pay for school, the cost of the school? Or what is that fun? That's it's typically it typically goes to staffing. Okay. Like you might have so, to buy out some time from a staff member in right. order to to begin the startup process. Now the schools could just if they wanted to, the course the schools could be supportive enough to cover that cost internally, right? Right. Does any they school could. do that in Pennsylvania? No. 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 I was about to give a real good shout out to one school. I thought you might have one school. Well, in the startup phase, they use the money to 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 buy out the time for staff members. But then down the road, um, um, they they have to be self-sustaining, and then they they use their own their own money. A lot of which comes from the additional fee that the students pay for the program. Well, you know, look, obviously the state owns a. I don't know if you know this. Some people don't, but the state actually owns. Get this, a whole university system um, mm-hmm. go figure right so the state owns a university system and i again i don't know if you know this either uh but the state pays a lot of money hundreds of millions of dollars a year to state related universities or not we don't own them but we we pay a lot into them so yeah so the state has should have a very good cooperative relationship uh, with somewhere between, depending on how you count the universities, somewhere between 10 and 20 universities in our system are very dependent and very, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know tend to listen. I just wonder if there isn't a role where the state uh, can be a little more, um, I'll say, helpful, but also directive as to as to building out these programs. But let me ask you one I, question on that. Because I, would I, don't wanna... to, I would have to think. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Right. But let me ask you this. Um, you have 150 kids who are currently involved. If this, if you, uh, how much, how how many more schools do you think in Pennsylvania should offer this program? At least 10 more. At least 10. And so, uh, if if you did get 10 more schools who mm-hmm. were involved, how many more 
young adults uh, do you think we could serve with that 10 school building? Uh, at least a couple hundred. Okay. And the final thing here too, on the back end, you mentioned the, the, the whole goal here is to, um, to help, um, you know, number one, from what I can tell is to help that young person to have a greater success of inclusion, um, uh, after college. Uh, as far as being, uh, you know, a, a productive, positive um, member of a workplace, both for them and for those who are there, right? Mm -hmm. And then obviously yes. that's also the goal is for uh, the uh, the typical students who are at these colleges to also become uh, more familiar uh, in how to uh, integrate the skill sets of everybody. Uh, in their workplaces as they go forward, right? Right. Now, so have you been able to see the benefits or in some way do you uh, quantify the benefits? Mm -hmm. Meaning if you have 150 kids who are involved in your program, are you mm -hmm. subsequently getting data points back after they leave the program that show your measured success? Yes, and what we survey all the colleges um, every year uh, for their employment numbers. And and the majority of them report that 100% of them are employed once they leave the college. How long they're employed after that, we don't know because they're under no obligation to give us that information at that point. Well, and they're under no obligation to, to follow the student as well, which is unfortunate because those employment numbers would be super helpful. Uh, mm -hmm. But most of the colleges, uh, um, um, report that it's 100% employment numbers once they leave their program. Now, these students want to work. Right. They absolutely want to work. And it's important that we get them, that we give them these opportunities. Do you, do you have like an alumni dream program? It's, it's on our wish list, but we need yeah. funding for it. <laughs> we would love, we would love to have uh, a symposium at least every other year and, and invite all of our our dream scholars back so that they could get together and do some networking, maybe a little workshops, things like well, that. The, the reason why I'm asking too, and I appreciate all your information today, is that look, we we want to um, on a larger scale with it. We we have to be measuring success. Uh, long term and and supporting programs like yours, I think that that, that help deliver it. The key component of this is, um, you know, look, uh, whether you're uh, 18, 20, 22, 24, okay, um, that's not the end of life. That's the beginning. And so, what we're hoping to see is that we find programs like yours and and hopefully even more that show that 10 years, 20, 30 years down the road that these individuals who are uh, go through programs like yours are having lifelong uh, success, greater chances of employment, for example. We still are a state to which 65% of people with disabilities are not engaged in the workforce, right? We are still seeing greater success in inclusion aspects uh, in the K through 12 that are not translating into the adult. And that, that's your primary focus, right? Mm -hmm. So things that can help us measure and show and promote and fund your programs like yours, I think are key. And it does require adults with disabilities to um, 
to not only self-identify, but to be willing to provide information that they are not obligated to do, right? It's a little bit easier in that regard, right? In K through 12, Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. we can get data, it's kind of clearer. But it is something that we have to address, and that includes also being sure there's no stigma that attaches uh, to Mm -hmm. things. But we have to figure out how to talk and work with um, adults who go through these programs to help us understand the success of them or and how to make them even better mm-hmm. you know so uh, if you can solve that donna that would be great if you can all right <laughs> we'll get <laughs> well, right on that listen donna i i very much appreciate uh i, I obviously have been aware of the dream partnership and glad to have you uh your organization around at several things that we've talked about we love your work and, and appreciate you telling us more about it today uh and this is just one of the things we're going to be talking a, a little bit about the sort of non-degree track, but we're also going to be talking at the Disability Summit about the degree track uh, as well, because there are still so many uh, young students who come in, uh, maybe having an IEP uh, as uh, as a, a high schooler, um, who then find difficulty in finding supports uh, or uh, challenges in meeting that sa- finding that same level of success, uh, and um, we want we want that to do better. And I think with the state. Um, Owning a, co- a collegiate system, which seems a tremendous that we own this system, uh, mm-hmm. I think that we can be doing a little bit better for all of our kids. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but we're gonna, we're going to keep pushing on that. But Donna, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, you bet. And thank you. We really appreciate it. And if we could find a little funding from the state to help out develop more programs, that would be fantastic. Well, it, it, I, I like it. With let's let's keep talking, okay? But. Thank you so much, Donna. We appreciate it. Thank you for all your work. Uh, And thank you for everybody for listening to us today. Look for more information on our Disability Summit again, May 11th at the Bethel Congregation. You can sign up and reserve your spot if you like at disabilitysummit.com. Check it all out. We're excited for it. It's going to be a great event. Thank you, everybody.